Who doesn't love a classic chocolate chip cookie? Famous Amos has been making them since the 70s, 1975 to be exact. With semi-sweet chocolate chips and a satisfying crunch, it's everything classic in one bite-sized cookie. And fans couldn't get enough. That's right. You'll find our original recipe, the one you know and love, in every bag of Famous Amos original chocolate chip cookies. Find Famous Amos anywhere you buy your favorite snacks. When I found out I was going to be a parent, I immediately felt a lot of anxiety and worry. So I went on to BetterHelp to try to look for a therapist to help me with that. My relationship with my family and with my boyfriend and with myself were suffering. I really needed help. I was ruminating a lot. Really getting those thoughts out to a therapist and getting feedback was just life-changing. If you're thinking of giving therapy a try, learn more at BetterHelp.com. That's BetterHelp.com. What's up? Hey, hey, how's it going? Uh, You know, I've been working a lot recently. Mm-hmm. I'm going to Puerto Rico soon. I'm, t- I'm taking a trip tomorrow. tomorrow I know, yeah. literally. Um, But I'm a little uh, spirit tanking a little low today. Same. Morale is low. Morale is low. Um, will you, uh, you want to talk about why? Prince Rogers Nelson mm-hmm. has sadly and surprisingly yeah. uh, passed away. Yeah. I honestly, like, I mean, I, I, as soon as I found out, I, like, slacked you. Yeah. And I was like, literally, I'm floored. I didn't, I didn't, I didn't really know what to say. I was in the middle of an interview <laughs> Like talking to another person, and I was like, like on the phone, yeah. and I was like, "Oh shit!" I had to keep my composure, and I felt like I felt sick to my stomach immediately. Oh yes, I know. This episode ain't about Prince, by the way. It's not, and and honestly, that's why we're talking right now yeah. because, uh, you know, we would be remiss, yeah, if we didn't say something, something, um, to you know, to jump back to you know, we we talk about music a lot. And we yeah. talk about, like, the canon and the greats and the goats. <sighs> yeah. And even in the Stevie episode, we talked Michael, Stevie, Prince. Yeah. It's kind of like this 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 trinity or one trinity in terms yeah. of greatest of all time. So to to have two of those now be passed away. Yeah. In what feels like two, like, a, like before their time. Oh, definitely before their time. It's tough, man. It is tough. And it's tough, too, because, like, not to speak ill of the dead, but, like, Michael was struggling for a long time. Do you know what I'm saying? There was a lot we didn't know about him. Like, it was obvious that something was up health-wise. And he kind of lived this life that was, like, shrouded in mystery and, like, melancholy. Yeah. Um, But Prince seemed to be, like, in good... You know what I'm saying? Yeah, he was moving. Yeah, like, he was moving. He He seemed to be... Chill, like I didn't know. Not anything even of chill, him. vibrant. Exactly, exactly. And he was under sixty, so I really, I was thinking, okay, he seems to be in good health. He's gone natural. Yeah. Do you know what I'm saying? <laughs> Prince was Prince was natural, so you know what I'm saying. So like he had the chemical relaxer, he had laid off of it. He's, yeah. I think he was. Um, he seemed to really take his eating pretty seriously. Um, so I, he was somebody who I was just like, eh, he'll be around. Same, same. So to to, like to have that. Like to have him be gone now. Like honestly, I don't know how to handle that. I really, I felt like I remember my family was gone. Yeah, um, literally one of like so my first, like my first goal in life was to be big enough mm-hmm. 
that I could be like Prince and have my best friend be my assistant like Jerome. I know. I knew you were going to bring this up. It's and like, don't get I, I recognize that is narcissistic. I think you still have time, Brittany, and the space is still there. But <laughs> but that said, like literally this man was like my first like like my like in terms of my dream of what I wanted to aspire myself to, it was to be like Prince. See, I feel like two things about Prince. Well, I feel many things about Prince. But the first two kind of my I think of myself as very young is like I like felt so other when I was a kid for all these different reasons. I just felt so weird. I always felt like I was different than other people who were, like, immediately around me. And, like, I remember seeing... I wasn't allowed to watch all of Purple Rain. <laughs> I, yeah. Yeah, but I reason. remember when Diamonds and Pearls, that album came out. Yeah. And also um, seeing, like, little snippets of Purple Rain, like, over my parents' shoulders on the couch or whatever, um, like, sneaking down kind of late at night trying to see what they were up to. And I remember being like, this guy had like hair like my mom and like was wearing these blouses yeah. and had these purple suits and like this eyeliner and, and he was heels. So, and heels and he was so popping and he was so different than like anybody had ever seen before. And I remember being like, this person understands me. <laughs> like yeah. I feel like if there's anything if there's anything about you that's really fucking weird or if you feel really fucking weird then I feel like Prince was like an easy person for you to connect with because he was just so himself and he was like he thought you were crazy if you thought he was crazy well the thing is you couldn't apply terms to Prince yeah like that was the thing he really he kind of like subverted every box mm -hmm. at the while at the same time acknowledging them all yeah you know and that was like that I mean that was something like people hadn't really done at his level like he took stardom in the black community community to like a completely new level yeah and a completely new space in terms of what it looked like yeah. it, he's hard to describe yeah like you have to describe him in like very explicit like he is wearing you know a purple velvet suit mm -hmm. with heels mm -hmm. uh with a blouse that's None of the buttons are buttoned, but it's also got the ruffles. ruffles yeah. You know, like he's got bangs in some, like in some cases, uh -huh. like, you know, there might be like face paint. You have to like, you have to describe him in this way that doesn't make sense. Yeah. And you can't, you can't sum it up. Yeah. And that was always okay. Yeah. And not only that, he was like real black. Like Prince yeah. is super black. Like I feel like there's this, like with a lot of people of our generation, this makes me sound old. A lot of people think that if you're weird you're somehow like not a lot of people but there's like this idea that if you're weird then the other black people don't understand you or something like that yeah like when we talked about dope yeah like you know what i mean and uh or like even like if you're like somehow being like i don't know not even just like being weird makes you less black but also like being like he he just didn't like or or if you want to be if you want to if you want to be if you want to transcend like labels, if you want to transcend like societal labels or if you want to transcend societal ideas of X, Y or Z, then you need to shirk your blackness. Yeah. And Prince was like, no, 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 no. I'm not any of this other shit or I'm all of it, but I'm also definitely black and that's not changing. Yeah. That's definitely. Static. The other thing I liked about him is that he's from the Midwest. And he stayed in the Midwest. Yeah. He always read for the Midwest. And behind the scenes was really connected and, like, held people down. Like, was, you know, was very much into 
putting new people on, you know? Yeah, yes. And women on. Yes. And black women on. Black, look, King, amazing fucking musical trio, three black women. They were trying to, I think I, I heard two of their songs on NPR in 2008 and I was like yo they're awesome they're about to blow up their, their songs are awesome like their graphics are great that's all you really need now yeah. I was like this is gonna be great and like nobody cared because yeah. there was like three brown skinned women and they were like okay ho-hum Prince emailed them Prince was just like I'm gonna send these girls an email and the next thing you know I'm seeing them have a tiny desk concert and they're going out to Essence Fest and they're starting to tour more because Prince was just like oh you're talented come through yeah and that's something he's always he's always done now have folks stuck around but no, but hey, he gave you he gave you <laughs> he some, gave a shot. He, gave he you put shot. you out there. Hey, he wasn't. I mean, you know, he wasn't. He wasn't Diddy. Yeah, <laughs> and that's so. I think that's that's saying a lot. <laughs> true, true. Uh, so this isn't as we said before. This isn't an episode about Prince. No, uh, it's not. To be honest, I don't know if we will do an episode about Prince. We might, we but mm, I, don't I don't know. know. Uh, but as two. Big R and B fans, yeah. Two big music fans, yeah. Like two big blackness fans, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> two big weirdness fans. That's true, you know? yeah. Um, like we just could not say, like, rest in peace. Mm-hmm. We're gonna miss you, miss you. Oh God, so much, Prince. So, anyway, um. Yo, go listen to Purple Rain. Go listen to Sign of the Times. Sign of the Times. Um, go, shit, Musicology. Music. I saw Prince <laughs> on the Musicology tour. My daddy and my mama took me and my sisters in like 2003 or four. Yeah. Life changing fucking experience. Like literally every album. Yeah. Is 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 like rich, and yeah. you have to almost listen to them separately because they are all meant to do different things. Yeah, I would say this weekend, if you have a bay or somebody that you at least feel okay about, put on diamonds and pearls. Yeah. Oh, and your fucking kids. So, like, seriously, play Prince for your kids. Yeah. Because there's kids out there who don't know who Prince is, Yo. and that is a travesty. It is a travesty. It's weird to me. He's somebody who's so pervasive in the culture, and it just has such a vaulted space. In society, like, how can your children not know who the fuck Prince is? What is wrong with you? Like, just take a step back. It's not too late. It's not too late. Play Purple Rain. Play the movie. They'll get it. They'll get it. They'll get it. They'll get it. So anyway. All right. Thank you. Thank you. And here's the show. Here's the show. And I'm Brittany. And we are... The Colored Nerds. The conversations that black people have. When white people are not in the room. But we record it. And we put them on the internet. So, welcome to today's show. Welcome. Uh, How's it going, Brittany? You know what? Honestly, I'm doing good. I'm just living my life like it's golden. As you know, I recently went to... Hudson Valley I had an amazing long weekend. It's so mm. much fun. And I love nature. A lot of people don't know that about me. I love nature. I got to be in nature and I got to eat a lot of amazing food. I had literally phenomenal duck liver ravioli and like a mustard mm. sauce with breadcrumbs. That sounds good. The nature part doesn't sound like something. You don't I'd like nature? Into. 
I mean, I, I don't actually like, I like being in nature. I don't like doing things in nature. Like what? Like, so, like, so you like to look at it and stand there? and. So I want my goal is to have like a cabin in the woods with a porch and a chair where I could sit and like read or like drink a drink a beer or like some tea or whittle, you know, something like that. Eric, that's that's you're like you're never gonna pick up a hobby that involves the hobby. A is, knife. The hobby is sitting and then and then like creating something with my hands from the earth. You have no desire to do that now. Why would you? Well, that's the thing. Like in nature, I'm like connecting. I'm like connecting. Why don't to you the... just like hike? I mm, went hiking at the best time. I've been hiking four times this year. No, I don't like that. No, I when, when was the last time you went hiking? I I can't remember because I don't do that activity. I'm telling you, you know what? That's you know what? That's racism at work. No. But yes, no, it's listen. not about me being no, black. No, I'm talking listen, they kept the black they kept black people out of like the, the parks for a long time. I don't mind going to a park. I'm not just But that's gonna, where a lot of hiking gets done in like national park preserves. But I'm not gonna just I mean the thing is like that's like, hey. Let's just go walk around. I could do that in Flatbush. It looks different, Eric. I know, but it, it's not. It's not. You still walk in the activity. It's the same. Just, anyway. Any, okay. Anyway. Well, again, I support, I'm glad you went. I'm I glad did, you had a good time. I went. I had a good time. I had a great time. I went to Target recently. I went to Soul Cycle for the first time recently. Oh, yeah. How did that go? It was. I'm going to be honest. So That's I, stressful. <laughs> I was stressed the whole time. I ended up going and it was fun, but it was confusing. And the way the sh- no one, the thing that stressed me out before I went is that the shoes lock into the bike. Oh, so it's like for real, for real spinning. Okay. 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 Yeah. Because I, I was curious whether or not now. Nah, so you were you were in it. You yeah. Were- <laughs> no, the thing is though is that I they tell you at the end of the class they're like. This is like a part where they're like, okay, well, you know, like unlock your foot, get off the bike. I couldn't unlock my feet. I had to, I took <laughs> the shoes off and I got off the bike barefoot because. You could, so could you I like. I couldn't, damn. I couldn't figure out how to remove my shoe from the bike. So I just had to take, my shoes were left on my bike. That's deep. But you, you enjoyed the, yeah. the exercise? I felt feral and ridiculous <laughs> after it was over when I was walking around standing in this dark hot room barefoot because so like, I didn't know how to take off my shoes. But Did you have to like did you have to take a whole bunch of breaks? Like no shade but did you have to like I'm curious as to like because I'll put you this I'm sure the instructor felt like I was taking a break the entire class. <laughs> I felt like I was the other thing is too and this might be too much information, but you know when you sit on a bike seat? Yo, it's uncomfortable. Oh, my God. It's really intense. But over time, that actually is more comfortable. So, so I never believed that. I was always the one who got like, who's like, ah, this seat is too hard. You know, it feels like feel. rocks. And then got the like comfortable jail seat, like for, mm-hmm. you know, um, that seems like what you would sit on, like if you had like hemorrhoids or something. Yeah. So I would always get that. But then the, the truth is, the hard seat actually is preferable, in especially long if in long, like in over long distances. You don't necessarily like you have more, you have more control over the bike, and yeah, it's it's that's crazy. It's deep. I, I mean, I now prefer it, but the first that first week, whew, yeah, so I was in pain, and then like it hurt. It will. It didn't feel necessarily so bad, like on my butt, the seat at the time after. In the days after when I was up north, mm-hmm. it did hurt my butt. And my butt was hurting. I see. But you know what I'm saying? Commitment to fitness. Commitment to fitness. 
That's what we're known for around these hey. parts. Is hey. into fitness. You know. Anyway, yeah, I'm here. I'm chilling. How are you doing? I'm doing. I'm doing good. You know. Yeah, you doing good? I'm doing pretty good. That's good. You know, just trying, trying new things. Like yeah. what? Not obviously not fucking hiking. Not hiking. Um, you know, just embracing new experiences and opportunities. Okay. And, you know, just rolling, rolling with that. Okay. Well, you know, I am glad to hear that for you. I'm, I'm, I'm glad too. Thank I'm you. glad. Thank you. I appreciate that. I'm trying to think. Is there anything else we need to update people on? I keep thinking that there was something else. No, I think I'm just hungry. You might be. You might be. Anyway. Um, you should have one of my milk and cereal bars. Oh, my God. Eric came in here this morning with these. This ball. I had never seen anything like this Those before. These are good. It was in a pack. Let me see the package. Eric came in here today with this cinnamon toast crunch milk and cereal bar. They yeah. say the filling is made with real milk. The filling is something <laughs> akin to buttercream frosting. It is so and good. And then they take the cereal. And they break it down, and then they cover it in sugar, and then they put the frosting in between two halves. Yeah. And then they package it. It's perfect. And that's something apparently people should be able to have for breakfast? Yeah. I, I mean, I I mean, right now, in my bag, there are six more of these bars and blocks, like Eve's toys. So, I don't know. My whole, like, internal situation is kind of fucked up just because I never have time to eat the breakfast that I want. Like, today we had a muffin. Had we did. Coffee. We shared a muffin, had some coffee, had some grapes. But, you know, any given day, you never know. You never know what's going to happen. So, I try to prepare myself with something I know if shit goes left and I can't have the breakfast that I want, I can have these lovely uh, cinnamon toast crunch milk and cereal That bars. would give me a headache. But it's I did try a bite of it. It tastes like it's not bad. birthday cake. It's, no, yeah. it doesn't taste bad. <laughs> It's just not appropriate breakfast food. I can't believe people give it to children. It's the other side of the spectrum from Special K granola. Special K and granola, you know, milk and cereal bars. Anyway. Uh, so what are we talking about today? Today we are, well, we got an email. That's what we were just talking We got an email. So we got an email from one of our amazing listeners. Thank yes. you to everyone who takes the time out to send us an email. Yeah, we, we love them. We love them. And we don't deserve you because we rarely get the chance to respond. Mm-hmm. But Mr. Eli Montgomery, we appreciate you. Yes. You uh, sent us an email titled, What is Wrong with Ghostbusters? <laughs> uh, and you basically detailed what a lot of people had noticed was that when the Ghostbusters trailers dropped to much anticipation, yeah. it was a little odd that, you know, we had these three white women scientists. White women scientists and leslie jones who is a mta worker yes she's black also yes in case y'all if you, leslie if you didn't know what we jones. do around here <laughs> yes and a lot of folks want to know what's up with that so you know you emailed us you asked us hey can you talk about it you were confused a little pissed off mm-hmm. uh and we actually felt kind of the same way and there's been a, a few things yeah Kind of bubbling. A few things. So, I mean, to come back, if you don't know. If you don't know. Uh, Ghostbusters. <laughs> which is one of, like, I'm, I think universally revered. It's like one of the one of the best comedies of all time. Like comedy yeah. films of all time. Yeah. Love Ghostbusters. Yeah. Ghostbusters 2 is pretty good, too. Folks sleep on Ghostbusters 2. Um, Ghostbusters 2 is actually the first. I saw Ghostbusters first. I remember Ghostbusters 2 first. Yeah. That That's actually probably crazy. the way it worked yeah. for me, too. Yeah. But uh, both of them, excellent films. Mm-hmm. Like, Close as close to perfect films as you 
could probably get. Mm-hmm. But they're remaking Ghostbusters. Paul Feig, who is the director, uh, rewrote the film. It's kind of it's a re. It seems like it's a actually I think it's a mix of a reboot and a sequel. So yeah. like obviously they're they're for the most part ignoring a lot of the earlier film where it's been mm-hmm. just a shit ton of time. And it's being done this time with an all-female team. Yes. All-female cast. Which is cool. Yeah. It's a cool idea. With a lot of heavy hitters in terms of comedic talent. You have Kristen Wiig. Yes. Melissa McCarthy. Yes. Kate McKinnon. Yes. And like we said. She's on Saturday Night Live. She's on Saturday Night Live. I didn't know. I didn't know. I'm just saying for people. I didn't know who she was because I don't watch Saturday Night Live. She's obviously on Saturday I'm sleep. Yeah. Um, but yes, from what I understand, she's very funny. She's really funny. I actually really, really enjoy mm-hmm. Kate McKinnon. Um, and Leslie Jones, who, you know, I mean, I was really excited when she was cast. Me too. Um, you know, because one black woman coming up. Yeah. And she's also, she's like over she's, 35. Yeah, which doesn't. She's not young. Yeah. She she's, wasn't cast off. She was no. kept in the mix. Yeah. And she's also, she has a strong comedy background. She's a comedian. Exactly. She's a stand-up. She's a writer. She's, it's not like they were like, and Zendaya. And I love <laughs> Zendaya. But like, they yeah. don't, that's some shit that normally happens. It would have been odd if they just yeah. threw her in the mix. Yeah. Uh, especially with those women. That That is very likely as that would be what happened. Yeah. But uh, but no, they chose Leslie Jones, who's awesome on Saturday Night Live. You mentioned she was also in Top 5. Yeah. I had to go back and She was like, super funny in Top 5. Yeah. Yeah. Top 5 was Top five was great. Top five was a good movie. There's some things where I was just like, mm. yeah, it's definitely some. But I mean, Chris Rock. Overall, it made me feel like it made me feel really good. Yeah, yeah. For me to see a black film, a black comedic film, that kind of well done. To yeah, film. yeah, yeah. And it was also it was about. a black romantic comedy, which was cool. Yeah, with little little fuck shit. As yeah, you would say. yeah. I mean, there was some. Well, it was like a cool to see a comedy about like. That was about two black people getting together. That wasn't about like why do I get married or yeah. why can't I find no man? It's yeah. like you know all that kind of garbage. Yeah, or eat. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. You know yeah. what I'm saying? No, I agree. But yeah, so Leslie Jones, awesome career. Excited for that. See the trailer, and like immediately, what stuck out to me is in the first scenes of the trailer, you have. Melissa McCarthy. You have Kristen Wiig. Uh-huh. You have Kate McKinnon uh-huh. standing in front of this like creepy looking, like olden times woman ghost. Yeah, and getting vomited on. And getting vomited on. And there's no Leslie Jones. No, there is no Leslie Jones. Until like midway through the trailer after they introduce all the three women who I've noted as yeah. like brilliant scientists, the best in and their like, field. And they're like, you do, you do this specialization. I have this specialization. You have this other specialization. And there's Leslie Jones, and she's like, "Hey, y'all, I want to be in the mix. I don't. I'm not good at this science stuff like y'all." Which is like literally what she said. Yeah. I'm not good at this science stuff like y'all, but I know the city. I know the city because I'm an MTA worker. Yeah, and like. There's nothing wrong with being an MTA worker, but... The problem with this whole thing, and, and it's not like this got missed. I don't want to... Like, there was... I mean, th- that day on Twitter when the trailer came out, and since yeah. then, it's been consistent. Yeah. And folks you tweet. I missed back. it because I was, I was I, like... I did a subtweet. I was excited. I was like, I subtweeted, black women are scientists, too. Yeah, I remember I saw that. It's like, it's true. Like, for me, it was just like, what the fuck? Like, you have an opportunity... Like the part of the point of this film 
is to highlight the fact that, yo, women are funny too. Women yeah. can be the stars, uh, the primary stars yeah. without like, you know, some significant male support, mm-hmm. quote unquote, um, of a big budget, like comedy film mm-hmm. playing off a premise that is like universally loved. Like yeah. they can carry this film. And you incorporate someone who is black and then put them in a role where it seems like tacked on, if you will, yeah, to that narrative. Not only tacked on to that narrative, but also like, like part of what makes the film, what is supposed to make the film narrative is not just women are funny too, but also like women can be scientists. Yes. But, and so it's like, you know, like what would it have hurt to have also made Leslie Jones a scientist? What would it have hurt? That's yeah. the thing that I'm just like, and then, you know, and then there was that whole thing where they were like, oh, well, that role was originally written for Melissa McCarthy, which had me going because I was like, okay, so you have the fat white woman. Yep. Is she going to play the buffoon or is the black woman yeah. going to play the buffoon? Great it's choices. Just like, yeah, exactly. <laughs> and like, on one level, I totally get it. Like, Melissa McCarthy has played the quirky best friend. Yeah. She has played the chubby this woman, the weirdo, the kook. Like, you know, all of these different things. And, like, I want to say even on Mike and Molly, which yeah. I don't know if it's still on TV or not. It just got canceled. Yeah, but, like, she was playing one half of a couple that met at Overeaters Anonymous or something like that. Like, her work is, all, is a lot of times based around her size. Yeah. And I the mean, way that she looks. You know, I mean, she obviously has embraced that. And I, I, sometimes I wonder, though, how much of it is. I mean, it's clear that she 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 likes it to a degree. Well, it's like also like, does she like it or does she have to? Be, I mean, I'm being real though. So at first, I would say like honestly, that's what like that was a question that was on my mind too. But in her more recent films, a lot of times she, I mean, she's she's big money now. You know what I'm saying? Like she oh, carries, yeah. oh yeah, like she carries these films and she has writing input, executive producer right. Credit. But I'll put but I'll put to you like this. How many projects starring black people still fall into the same type of, you know what I'm saying? Yeah. Where it's like, you only are offered so many things. And like, I'm not saying that, you know, being a white woman who's of a certain size is anything like being, being a black woman or being a black person, period. Yeah. But when you're, well, when you're a person who's, um, who's certain characteristics about you, whether they be, you know, like size or if it's purely physical or if it's your gender or whatever, there's going to be all sorts of things that you like kind of like. If you, you know, you got to play, play yeah. you know, yeah, play along, get along or whatever. So, yeah, I'm sure that she has some control over it. But, I, like, I can't imagine that, like, that if you asked Melissa McCarthy, like, hey, would you like to play, like, a romantic lead in a story that has nothing to do with your size? Yeah. That she's like, going to be like, nah. Yeah. She's going to be like, no, nah, I actually, it's not really my I type prefer of humor. the show where <laughs> I met in the Chicago Overeaters Anonymous group. Yeah. Like, yeah. I think that she, what she's done with it has been interesting. And, like, what she did with her role in Bridesmaids and all of these other films. The like, heat, yeah. I That's remember cool. when Bridesmaids came out, I was like. You know, they got the big girl doing... Lifting her leg up. Yeah, but, like, she was super... Like, she did so much with it. Like, she did so much with the Her character was was really... Like, her character was memorable, not just because she was a large woman who had physical comedy. Like, she was ridiculously fucking funny. Yeah, and she's managed to, like, bring that to a lot of these other roles. But I'm sure she would like to, like, not always play, like, the kooky whoever. So, like, I do understand... Like, Paul Feig was like, oh, you know, he originally wrote this part from Melissa, which, which is its own thing. Yeah. Right? Uh, but then, like, you know, we thought we should make her a scientist. Yeah. He could make that walk from Melissa McCarthy. But, like, the same case, for some reason, couldn't be made with, with, all, with the same group of people for Leslie Jones. Yeah. And it's like, what 
what would it have hurt? You know, it just kind of annoys me that like it just doesn't stick out to people. Have you ever considered the fact that maybe it's really comfortable for you to see a black woman as an MTA worker who has who doesn't have quote unquote book smarts but has lots of street smarts? Yeah, you know what I mean. And access to a Cadillac. Right. That's actually a hearse. Like, like, why? Like, it's like ah, nobody questioned why that was comfortable for them. Or or pushes themselves to even do some research around that fact. Yeah. You know. Yeah. Like, I mean. Like this narrative of having the three scientists and then the one kind of like every man, yeah. you know, quote unquote, every person um, is the exact same plot structure and character structure as the original Ghostbusters. Yep. Which, you know, obviously in that particular case, that 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 other person, that every person was Ernie Hudson. Ernie Hudson in this particular case, you know. He went through the same thing. His role was originally written for Eddie Murphy and mm-hmm. was massive. Like, you know, he was going to be, like, top billing. Uh, but for some reason, I think Eddie Murphy turned the role down. Uh, or Eddie, Eddie Murphy, for some reason, was not was no longer involved with the yeah, film. Yeah, even though I thought—I don't know if that was true or if that was just a rumor. I, that I don't know. But uh, I'm, I'm not positive, too. But somehow, basically, Eddie Murphy was no longer in the film. Mm-hmm. And Ernie Hudson auditioned for the role as written. Yeah. As written. And it was supposed to be, like, this guy who was, like, you know, in the Air Force. And he was, like, brought in early in the script and, like, was a character throughout the whole thing. Fleshed out. Full person. And then the day before filming, he gets a new script that is where he doesn't come in till you know, like, I think it's, like, halfway through he actually comes mm-hmm. into the film. Uh, he gets very little character development. They didn't even put him in the poster of nope. the film. Like, he might as well not have been in the original team before, for all intents and purposes. Yeah. Um, It's clear that he wasn't, quote-unquote, needed. And you do, you have that scenario. And he's recently, you know, around the same time that the the trailer lost, he talked about this and how it made him feel. Yeah. Which I didn't, I never knew that story. I didn't, I mean, I didn't know that story either. And I... To be real, I revered Ernie Hudson in that role. Like, uh, yeah. you know what I'm saying? He was the black man. I was going to say, he's a person. If you asked me who was in Ghostbusters when I was six, I would have been like, this black man and Rick Moranis. Yeah. And, you know, they were the stars of the film. Yeah. I was like, this is the main two main characters of the film. Now I get older, Harold, Harold Ramis in Ghostbusters. Not too shabby. <laughs> Not too fucking shabby. No, I was all about trying to be, uh, like, later in life, I was all about trying to be Peter Fankman. <laughs> yeah. Which is, I mean... Unsurprising. Yeah, it's probably true to life. But yeah, you know, this is something that's been going on for a long time. And if I'm Paul Feig, I don't have to look that far to see a similar narrative and understand what happened with this particular story to change it. So to see that, you know, or disregard that, not do any additional work to say, am I pushing the boundaries for someone who is known as as a a writer and director who pushes boundaries in terms of what... Uh, actors and actresses are capable of and how they frame the story and their importance to the story. Like, it's just like, it's really fucking disappointing. There's not a lot of people that I have, like, a lot of trust, faith, or high hopes in. Yeah. But, like, I I actually, I've really admired Paul Feig for a long, 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 long time. I was excited when I heard that he was going to direct Ghostbusters because he had done such a great, not just such a great job with Bridesmaids. I loved him from fucking, yeah, that he was good with, he was good at the heat. And he's good at, like, physical slash like kind of slapstick comedy like in ways that are fresh and fun but also freaks and geeks like freaks and geeks was so it was told from the point of view of a teenage girl in like suburban michigan 
Like, I know what that feels like. And he, like, so got it. And he was so respectful of her point of view and, like, the things that she may have been feeling and where she was coming from. And, like, like I felt like this dude uh, is really good at getting in the shoes of people who aren't him. And, like, this, to me, seemed so fucking tone deaf. Yeah. And even the response to it also. Like, the response to it. So And yeah. the response to it was actually what kind of pissed me off more yeah. than the actual act itself. Because, yeah. again, it's not surprising that this would happen. It's yeah. disappointing that these people did it. Yeah, but like... It's not surprising. It shit happens all the time. Yeah. But their response to it was, why wouldn't we have an MTA worker, you know, in this team? Yeah. Why wouldn't we have... Like, Leslie Jones even went on Twitter and said herself, yeah. oh, I'm proud to be an MTA worker. She played... She, like, shared a letter... Yep. Where like this MTA worker was like, oh, thank you for portraying us on TV. We often don't get a lot of credit. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, blah, 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 blah. Now, true. There aren't a lot of characters who play MTA workers on TV, in TV and film, right? Yeah. Uh, and MTA is Metro Transit Authority, Metropolitan Transit Authority. So, you know, that's like the subway. All right. But that's not the critique, no. That's not what people are talking no, about. No, like if if we are over here, the point, <laughs> like if y'all are over here with whatever you think, the point is far, far away. Direction. Like the, the, the issue is that you have a team of people. You have three white women scientists and the black woman and black women specifically are often not portrayed in roles where people they are seen in a professional light. There was like a study recently surveying people who worked in like laboratories and mm-hmm. stuff. And it said that black women were often thought like to be like the support or help staff yeah. in the workplace yeah, as opposed yeah, to yes. scientists yes. and researchers. Like frequently mistaken for people who are on like the custodial team. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so you put a black woman in the film and then relegate her to what is someone who is, you know, slightly probably not slightly, less educated, mm-hmm. has left less power and is not an essential member of the team yeah. beyond I know the city and stuff and yeah. I have access to a Cadillac. Yeah. That is the critique. The history is the critique. The The structure of your film and her being a f- relative footnote in it is the critique. And to ignore that is... I mean, it's patronizing to a degree. Like, to think that... It's just like, on what planet do you... Like, if somebody... Like, it's like... I don't know. It's like, Eric, it's like if I asked you... Let's say I told you to go to the store and buy me some potatoes, right? (laughs) Yes. That'd be like if you went to the store, you decided instead to buy me some corn. You came to my house, gave me the corn... And then I was like, why did you, why did you not buy the potatoes? If you were like, why are you criticizing my shoes? And it's like, <laughs> no. <laughs> like, what? Like, yeah. I asked you, a, like, there's a clear case for the question that I want to ask you. And you're talking to me about something totally different. Like, you are willfully ignoring the conversation that I want to have, which is worthy of having. You, cho- you chose a black woman to portray, like, a very, like, loud, brassy stereotype. Like a, I think it's like, a, it's like sassy black woman. Yeah, a sassy black woman, kind of sapphire, who also is like, well, somebody who without a science background in a movie that's supposed to be about scientists. Yeah. Um. So if I ask you about that, it's very clear that race had something to do with it, whether explicitly or implicitly, and then you just make it about class, which is funny because 
That's actually how most racial conversations in yeah. America go now anyway. That's what the jig is. This is a conversation that we have to have over and over and over again. And it's like almost bizarre to me that people have not figured out at this point that like, it's not even like we're having this conversation only between our, you know, I would say within the life, the lifetime of our show. Yeah. A lot of the conversations that we used to have between us on the show mm-hmm. and like with the people who listen, a lot of those conversations have now become more public. Yeah. As like just within the past year and a half. Yeah. So it's like weird to me that like, now these conversations are, you know, they went from private to the internet. They've yeah. gone from internet to mainstream uh, entertainment news consumption to the point where, like, the Oscars this year was affected. The coverage yeah. of the Oscars was affected by people having these public conversations about race and entertainment. And it's like, how willfully ignorant do you have to, how butthurt and willfully ignorant do you have to be to kind of, like, continue this shit? Yeah. And, it, I mean, it doesn't seem like it's going to change that much like people are definitely more cognizant of it but you know typically within these conversations they seemed perplexed at how to actually solve this problem yeah which is i mean it's frustrating itself but you actually brought something up that i think is another like important part of this ghostbusters critique specifically Mm -hmm. and that's like you talked about leslie jones who's like her comedy her comedy very much fits into that like sassy black woman trope a lot yeah and it's weird because I've never really had, I mean, I, I've never really had a problem with Leslie Jones's comedy or her approach to comedy, you know? Like, she had a couple sketches. I, I don't watch Saturday Night Live, but I do know that she had a couple that people weren't pleased with. But still, like, I would say over the, the whole of her work that I've seen, like, in the right context, I think Leslie Jones is, like, just fucking hilarious. Yeah, but I think, I mean, the... The qualifier that you put on it is the <laughs> is kind of the important part. And that's yeah. kind of what I want to talk about a little bit. The in the right context. Like, you mentioned top five, right? Mm-hmm. And I think her scene is, like, that's where they're, like, he he goes home to his family. He's, like, yeah. talking to them. So they're, like, you know, like, shooting the shit. And it's, like, literally just how, like, most people's families are. You go yeah. home and they, like, talk about each other for, like, an hour. Hours, yeah. Yeah, so it's basically, like... The show, our show, if you removed all the substantive things we could talk about, <laughs> or we just, you know, yeah. make fun of each other for, yeah. like, you know, like 15 minutes at a time. But, um, but yeah, and like that, like seeing her in that role, like I'm like, I'm cracking up. Yeah. See, oh, she was hilarious. Yeah. Seeing her on many uh, SNL skits, even when she's playing off of, like when she's playing off like Keenan or Jay. Yeah. I'm cracking up. Yeah. But that, like seeing the last scene where she's smacking... Oh, last scene of the trailer. Yeah. Smacking... Uh, yeah, the last scene of the trailer where she's smacking Melissa, Melissa McCarthy, McCarthy across the face and screaming, you know, the power of Patty. Her name is Patty. Yeah. Uh, compels you. I wasn't cracking up. No, I wasn't cracking up. I wasn't... Like, none of it made me laugh. When she's playing off of other black folks or in the right context, there is a different rubric for understanding... Do you know what I'm saying? There's, yeah. just a, there's a different language. There's a different frame of reference for understanding her humor where... Certain things are going to be understood. Certain yeah. things don't have to be explained. Certain things don't seem foreign. And I felt like she was in a different comedic context than she normally is, or like maybe than a context where she would shine uh, under other circumstances. Yeah. As a result, to me, a lot of the things that make her comedy good in the right context, like when they were taken out of that and put in this Ghostbusters film, it just felt like she was the butt of a lot of jokes. I think it comes back to the fact that, you know, something you also said earlier, like you're choosing you're choosing that particular role between Melissa McCarthy 
or Leslie Jones. And like you're choosing the butt of the jokes to be yeah. either someone's physical weight yeah. or their or their race. race. And like that is the part is what's distracting about it. Like yeah. it's not that what she's saying is funny or, you know, her like her delivery of that humor is the focal point. It's her being black and saying these things yeah. and delivering in this particular way. Yeah. Which is in that context, like you said, a very common trope. Yeah. And like that's the part that I was like, damn. It because, is lazy comedy. Yeah, because Leslie Jones can even do that. Like she's smart enough and talented enough mm-hmm. to do her same type of humor, which I'm not saying like this is not a very different type of humor for her. No. But she's smart enough to write like yeah. the a, a skit and a context in yeah. which that is changing the way in which we would normally perceive that type of humor. Like the reason why she was even in top five, and I want to say the reason why she even is on Saturday Night Live is because Chris Rock actually has been one of her biggest supporters yeah. for a long time. Like he's like he loves this woman. Yeah. And she's obviously got considerable amount of talent. Yeah. And like Leslie Jones is Leslie Jones is Leslie Jones. Like even when she tweets and she says thing, she says thing. She's like, this ain't a race <laughs> yeah. thing or a class thing. It's a Ghostbusters thing. So like I like so to a certain degree, she is herself. She yeah. is herself, but like, there, like it's it's disturbing to see how much, like when you don't have control of the context that you're presented in, yeah, like how it just it changes the power dynamic. You goes can back use to, that. It's like they used her against her. Yeah, and there's a lot of people who aren't familiar with Leslie Jones who are going to see this movie. Yeah, and like any of the nuance of her uh, comedy, yes. like and her abilities, is just going to be lost. Yeah. On them, well, th- I mean, yeah, that's what I'm saying. F- and like, then she will then fulfill another, like, like she will fulfill like whatever ideas that they already had about black women, specifically black women who are over forty and you know, MTA attendance. Who doesn't love a classic chocolate chip cookie? Famous Amos has been making them since the seventies, nineteen seventy five to be exact, with semi sweet chocolate chips and a satisfying crunch. It's everything classic in one bite sized cookie. And fans couldn't get enough. That's right. You'll find our original recipe, the one you know and love, in every bag of Famous Amos original chocolate chip cookies. Find Famous Amos anywhere you buy your favorite snacks. Look around. You can find cars like these on Auto Trader, like that car riding right your tail. Or if you're tailgating right now, all those cars doubling as kitchens and living rooms are on Auto Trader too. Are you working out and listening to this ad at the same time? Well, multitasking pro. Cars like the ones in the gym parking lot are for sale on AutoTrader. New cars, used cars, electric cars, maybe even flying cars. Okay, no flying cars, but as soon as they get invented, they'll be on AutoTrader. Just you wait. AutoTrader. Life doesn't have a pause button. That's why Capella University's FlexPath learning format lets you set your own deadlines and adjust them if something comes up. Imagine how a flexible education can make a difference for you at capella.edu. Hi, it's Martha Stewart. You know, I spend a lot of time thinking about dirt. At 3 a.m.? At all hours of the day, really. What people don't know is that not all dirt is the same. You need dirt with the right kind of nutrients. New miracle Grow organic raised bed and garden soil is so dense so full of nutrient-rich, high-quality ingredients. miracle Grow is simply the best. Yeah, so 
There's another film, I yeah. think, <laughs> where there's been a, a very complicated conversation around uh, the racial aspects of, of yeah. that particular film. And that film is Nina, mm-hmm. which is a, a biopic starring uh, Zoe Saldana and mm-hmm. David Oyelowo. Uh, that yeah. chronicles uh, a period in Nina Simone's life. Now, we've done an episode on Nina Simone before. That we did. What Happened to Miss Simone is also the title of an excellent Netflix do- documentary. So Our episode good. talked about that documentary. It was a good episode also. Yeah. <laughs> yeah just <laughs> If we do say If so. we do say so ourselves. Uh, so, you know, go back and check that out. Check out the documentary. Mm-hmm. I mean, this this film has been kind of floating around in the ether for a minute. Yeah. Uh, for years, literally. Yeah, at this point, like three, yeah. maybe four years. Yeah. yeah, before like the past couple months, the only the only thing people had seen to really kind of confirm their fears, and I'll speak. We can speak to the fears in a second. Yeah, um, would be just a couple of pictures from not even on set, just from like Zoe Saldana walking around mm. in Mm-mm. blackface. I don't even know. I mean, it has to be. It's, yeah, it's blackface, skin darkening makeup. Yeah, thank you. Yeah. And a nose prosthesis. And you know. yeah, sorry. I mean, go no, ahead. No, go ahead. I just, I, that was all. And even that was like, what the fuck? Like, come on now. Mm-hmm. Like, come on. And, but to be honest, I had kind of forgotten about it. Well, but I think we talked about this before. Neither one of us thought the movie was actually going to come out ever. Yeah. We just never thought it was going to come out. We yeah. never thought it was going to come out. It was so preposterous and people clapped back so hard. Yeah. So but, loudly. Like, yeah. Her family, you know, her daughter, like yeah. Nina Simone's daughter was like, no, 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 Mm-mm. no, 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 don't do this. And so many people supported that and said the same. Then that trailer dropped. Whew. Oh, my God. You said this and I was thinking it when I first saw it. It's like <laughs> it felt like a spoof. Yeah. <laughs> or yeah. a parody. Yeah. Like, and if it was a parody, it would have been a great one. Yeah, I thought, I kept waiting for Will Ferrell to come out nude. Yeah, like. That's like how, like, it just looked crazy. Like, the fact that this woman bears no resemblance to Nina Simone. No. Sounds nothing like her. Can't sing. Like, even just normal vocal intonation. Her voice profile is very, very different. Distractingly different. Yeah. The skin darkening makeup, as you say, that yes. she is wearing is the wrong shade. Yeah, not only is it not the wrong shade, it's like not blended. She's yeah. Poor, she's poorly lit throughout the entire thing. It's actually bizarre how terrible it looks. It's like, I already, it didn't even seem like they hired a makeup artist to me. Yeah, like it, it was very do it yourself. Yeah. So, you know, seeing this, I'm like, really, like, what? Like what the fuck? Well, because the trailer means that it it, it like it snagged distribution, which yeah. was the thing that got me. Where I was just like, oh, somebody like, paid for this to come out on a nationwide release because they were like, people need to see this. <laughs> I'm just rubbing my eyes because like no one needs to see this. So you know, and rightly, folks got pissed off. I know I was pissed. Off. I was pissed. Um, you know how I feel about light skinned people going places where they don't need to be. Mm. It's embarrassing for the whole lot of us. And like, on w- in one context, I do un- like Zoe Saldana is Dominican and Puerto Rican. Yeah. In that context, 
And also, like, I don't know if you've ever seen her natural hair before, but she's got a she's got a curly head. Yeah. In that context, she is like blacker than a lot of folks. Yeah. And I'm sure that that colors her idea of her identity. In this um, film. Yeah, yeah. I mean, no, I think that it colors her idea of her identity just as a black woman. Mm. Period. I think that pro- in a lot of contexts, she probably was dark skinned. Yeah. But n- not to the degree that Nina Simone was. Nowhere near. Nowhere in that neighborhood. And yeah. also, like being black in America and being black and dark skinned in America and being a black dark skinned woman in America with, you know, full lips and a wide nose. That is a totally different thing than being, you know, what some people may feel is a darker brown skin, you know, Afro-Latina from the Caribbean. It's a different fucking ballgame. And even the fact that those things that you just outlined were so central to the identity and art and, like, personhood of Nina Simone specifically. Yes. Like, this is someone who, you know, as we highlighted in the show, like— really, really struggled with her own value and her place in the world and people's interpretation of her because of the fact that she was dark-skinned, because of the fact that she had a wide nose, because of the fact that she had full lips. Like, all of these things contributed so much to the pain and the significance of her work. Like, they were built into it. So to disregard that and think... We can cover this up with a bit of, you know, with a different color foundation. Yeah. And a and a prosthesis. Yeah. Is like is is ridiculous and blasphemous, it feels like. It is blasphemous. You know, like this is one of the icons. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Like she is one of the icons in music. She's icon in music, civil rights. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Like just just like massive means so much to people. And you take these points that are crucial to the understanding of who she actually was and fuck them up in a biopic. Mm-hmm. So there's actually been some great writing on this from both, uh, like from uh, Cara Brown. From, oh, yeah, yeah. From Gawker, um, who highlighted the fact that basically everybody who's involved with with the movie Nina is white. Yeah. Except for... Robert Johnson. Stay black like Bob Johnson. Didn't Ludacris <laughs> say that in the song? Yeah. Yeah. Like, who uh, founded BET. Yes. Who was also, who's one of the executive producers. And maybe David Oyelowo, who yes. is the co-star of yes. the film. Those are basically the only black folks involved. Yes. You know? And <sighs> that should signal a problem. But no, I don't know that it does signal a problem. Every other, like, okay, who you think made the color purple? Okay, that's what I'm saying, which is a movie that a lot of people think is great. I think it's well done. Do I think it would be better done by a black woman than by Steven Spielberg? Yeah. Hell motherfucking yeah. yes. And I actually I'm one of the people who think it's great. But yeah, I do I I but like easily agree. Eas- exactly. Yeah. But still it's like it's like that whole thing like who's in front of the camera, who's behind the camera. Yeah. If there's black people in front of the camera, it's still white people behind the camera on pretty much like everything outside of Spike Lee and Tyler Perry. I will say Ava does a good job. She has a decent amount. She has a, she's gained a decent amount of pull in the past few years. Yeah. But otherwise, for the most part, if there are black people in front of the camera, there are white people behind the camera. And there are certainly white people signing the checks and certainly white people in the development meetings. Almost exclusively. But the way that Kara did it in the post, she showed all of their photos. Yeah. And so when you get to actually see it and you when I looked in the you face of the woman through. who did the makeup, 
what's crazy is I'm sure these people think that they're doing a great service by sharing the story. Yeah. In theory, sharing the story is a great idea. And is is it, sharing the story is the important thing. Yes. As opposed to getting the story right. Yes. And like, and it, it this is also significant. And like that that post was really important too. I agree from like scrolling down, seeing the faces. Yeah. But also understanding how every single piece, uh, like every single piece of their work is complicit. Like, you know, this wasn't just a fail at the executive producer no. level. It wasn't just a fail at the casting director level. It was just level. a fail at Zoe Saldana. Yeah. Like, it is a fail for, like, the makeup artist. The director of photography, who I, I agree, couldn't light her for shit. Couldn't light her or David Ole- Oleo. They're yeah. The, they're the two fucking, they're the two leads, leads in the movie. of the whole film. And they're both black. And they couldn't even get lit. When you do this... Yeah. <laughs> it is a breakdown at every single piece of the film. That is why it's important to have people who have some background and connection to these stories to in like to empower them to tell it the way it should be told. Exactly. But then there's the other thing. Tanahasi did uh Tanahasi Coates also wrote a lot about this. Did you mention yes. that? Did you mention his name? I don't I know if we got there yet. Nah. So uh yeah, Tanahasi wrote a fair amount about this. Yeah. And there's one about Nina Simone's face and there's one about the appropriation of Nina Simone. They're both excellent. Yeah. Um uh, but in one in particular he breaks down Zoe Saldana, she said she like there are other black actresses other black actresses that turned down the role and that she turned down the role for a year before she said yes because she felt like the story should be told. And like he was like, I I will grant you understanding that you would feel that way. But like it's scarier that it's it's terrifying that like there are there's there is such a small pool of black actresses from which to choose that Zoe Saldana was even considered for this role. Yeah. Like I used to want to go into casting. That was what I wanted to do. That was what I had, like, internships in and things like that. Like, I love casting directors. I love knowing shit like this. I love knowing this kind of information. And there's a list of people that I would think of in my mind who should be considered for a Nina Simone movie. And, and like, like there were other people that were like, that at least could have been given a shot and could have been in the mix. Yeah. It, it's not only the fact that they darkened her skin. They also aged her up. Like, this is not a film about her early life. No. This is about her later like, years. Like, her later she's years. in her 50s, probably. Yeah. You could have went to Viola Davis, one of the biggest people on TV. Literally. Has starred in major films. Yes. Oscar, Oscar-nominated Oscar woman. Films. Yeah. And like, and, like, has spoken about living that same experience. I would have loved to have seen, an, like, just an like a middle-aged black woman come through, or a black woman who's even older than that, like a woman who's, you know, 50s, 60s, come through and just murder that part. I would have loved to have seen that. And it makes me sad that, like, the world, our country, and that, like, Hollywood is in such a state, or rather, that Hollywood remains remains in such a state. It's too risky to take, it's too financially risky to take a chance on a black woman that people haven't heard of yet. And financial risk is is enough of a concern to just let this woman's story languish but i mean the truth is like honestly that's kind of so like even that piece of it is kind of bullshit to them because you know they're so they just want to get this story told they just want to get this story out no but the financial risk you you see what i'm saying like they, they try to portray it as this story was too important to leave by the wayside yeah you know but we gotta make money yeah and i get trust and believe I get that. I get it. I get it. Like you can't. It's 
really difficult to try and invest, you know, millions of dollars into something and just like put it out. No, there are very few people who are in a position to do that yeah. with something of entertainment value. But maybe you just should make something else. Yeah, like just make something else. Maybe you should make Ghostbusters. Yeah, this shit. It should just bums me out. It really, it really bums me out. It bums me out because, and also just because, like, the thing that we talk about. So, I agree that you 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 mentioned that it's not all always Aldana's fault. Yeah, you know, and that's true. But like, I would also think that those two specifically would kind of kind of know better. You know what I'm saying? Like, Zoe Saldana is somebody and who has talked... those two. Oh, sorry. David Oyelowo. Okay. Like, they both have talked at length, you know, yeah. in the media about, like, blackness and issues of uh, black actors and actresses not being hired for for leading roles. Like, Zoe Saldana has had to hustle for a long time to get to the stature that she's at right now. Where oh, she's yeah. starring in, like... In basically every you know big budget action movie, she's yeah. the okay black actress to cast. She is. The, she a, really is as the lead actress now. Uh, and David Oyelowo coming off of what should have been an Oscar nominated hello portrayal, hello, hello. you know, as hello. Martin Luther King in Selma, and who also is someone who has been hustling, hustling, you know, as a as an amazing character actor trying to prove, you know, what I'm saying to the world at large that he can be a lead, like. I would I would have anticipated that they would have seen the complexities around no, this film. No, you know I didn't anticipate it because he's a black man, and she is like a very conventionally attractive, lighter skinned black woman. I do not put. I'm gonna tell you something right now. There's not a thing in this world that I put past light skinned people, and there's no shade as far as colorism and attractiveness and things of that nature, which like. It doesn't always present itself professionally, but when your profession is entertainment, yeah. it presents itself all of the time. I do not put shit past straight black men specifically, but I don't put mm. shit past black men um, as far as lacking understanding of those dynamics and how those things play out. The Specifically, the Nina Simone's face piece that ta talked about, yeah. go, he quoted this biggie lyric. Heartthrob never, black and ugly as ever. However, I stay coochie down to the socks. Rings and watch filled with rocks and my jam knocks. Okay? Like, it reminds me actually, weirdly enough, of this thing that's been happening on Instagram this past week Mm -hmm. with Beyonce's cousin. So for those of you all who don't know. Because I actually don't know. Oh, okay. I'm going to show you right now. Because this will be great. We can record your reaction. So Beyonce's um, uncle Skip passed away. And uh, they had the funeral this past week, I guess, uh, down in Texas or something like that. So, Beyonce had a photo with, like, a couple of her cousins who are two uh, very beautiful, light-skinned women from the South who both have longer and more loosely curled hair than she does, right? One of them also specifically, just for those of you all who might know what I'm talking about, was wearing a blue dress. Eric just moved his neck. wearing a blue dress, and uh, she's got a nice backside. Congratulations to this woman. She's got an amazing figure. Very, Very beautiful family. But there was a meme that I saw on Tumblr that said, when you realize that Beyonce was the Kelly Rowland of her cousins. Mm. So, um, yeah, exactly. Which is like, it's fucked up. So you have like Biggie, which like, no shade. He was not the finest man on the face of the planet, right? Yeah. Right. He, I mean. He he said it himself. He said it himself. He was not the finest man in this world. And all of the things that a person in the United States is that you would think that they need to be to be attractive. He was not. Yeah. Right. And so you have, then you have Beyonce who in like almost day in and day out 
is like held to be like a standard in many senses for female, black female attractiveness. Yeah. She's light skinned. She has small angular features. She often is sporting long, wavy blonde hair. Um, and then you put like when you put her in a different, here's the C word again. When you put her in, in another context, yeah. when she's with cousins of hers who have even lighter skin and even longer, more loosely curled hair. And obviously, you know, there are some figure differences that within the black community yeah. people find very valuable. But um That was a great one. I saw I saw that me. I follow this I follow this woman on Tumblr, uh Rashida Renee. She used to be how to be a fucking lady. I mm. think she's something else now, I can't remember. But she was saying that like, you know, okay, like her cousin, like like this bothered her because she was like, okay, Beyonce's cousins are cute, but also Kelly Rowland is beautiful. Yeah. Right? Gorgeous. So yes. Gorgeous. gorgeous woman. So when people talk about Kelly Ro- Kelly Rowland being the, you know, quote unquote the Kelly Rowland or something, it's like, okay, so like That's an insult. That's an insult. And yeah. also Kelly Rowland, for those of you all who don't know, who she was a member of Destiny's Child and is Beyonce's best friend and play sister. She Fucking gorgeous, yeah. talented woman, rich as all get out, has beautiful husband, baby, family. Uh, she also is brown skinned. Yeah. But Kelly Rowland, in many senses, is thought to be not as, you know, popping as Beyonce because she's not as light skinned. So Kelly Rowland is beautiful. And then also, she said something really interesting. Rashida said something really interesting. She said, Stop measuring women's worth by their looks. Beyonce is literally like one of the most talented people alive. And it doesn't matter if the next, what the woman next to her looks like. She's still Beyonce. Like, that's it. But, like, women don't have that same power. For all we know, no shade to Beyonce's cousins, whatever, gorgeous women. But for all we know, they could, you know, whatever they do professionally, it's probably not be one of the, like, the greatest living entertainers and richest women in the world. Yeah. Chances are, like, you know, who made money through, you know, their own artistry. Chances are they don't have that same level of success. But when you're a, a woman, specifically a black woman, it doesn't matter what the fuck you know. It doesn't matter what the fuck you can do. And more specifically, if you're in the public eye like Nina Simone, what you look like can take down your talent, your intellect, your riches, whatever it is that you have, can take yeah. that down so many pegs. So already if you're a woman and you're out here in the public eye, God forbid somebody be, you know, have a fatter ass, be more light skinned, have longer hair, whatever the fuck, it be, lighter eyes, whatever the fuck people think it takes to be cute out here, right? Yeah. So like, God forbid that happen. But then additionally, like, if you on top of that are a dark skinned woman and you have full lips and you have that broad nose, like, like it's that much more difficult. So like you can't, you can be Beyonce and still have ashy motherfuckers on Instagram shitting on you, your talent, your life, and that of your best friend. And essentially the value and worth of the women in your family, right? Yeah. You could be the most powerful, rich black woman. We talk about Beyonce being a powerful, rich, talented black woman with a beautiful life, beautiful family. And you could still be her and get shit on like that in 2016 when a whole bunch of shit that would, was flying back in Nina Simone's time yeah. will not fucking fly now. So imagine that. Imagine that in yeah. like the 50s and 60s. Yeah. Imagine that you were also Nina Simone. Okay? And it's just like, who's literally, this woman is, was a fucking genius. Yeah. Right? Whose talent and legacy has endured decades and will do so until the end of, you know, time. Right? And it's just like, I'm not surprised. I'm not surprised. I'm not surprised that a black man and a light-skinned woman, when they got the call that said, your people need you. (laughs) Despite the melee, your people need you. 
I am not surprised that they were able to cast aside all of these other frameworks and all this other bullshit because, like, who really in the street among them is better? Who? So, so like, all they are is regular people who happen to get a lick and get a good job that they don't want to lose. Yeah. I mean, it's just tough. Honestly, it's tough because, like, I'm married to a black woman. I'm married to a dark-skinned woman. Mm-hmm. And my child is is dark-skinned, mm-hmm. you know? And you see you see progress in a lot of areas, you know mm-hmm. what I'm saying? Like, I, like, there's progress in the sense that, like, there's a coordinated and substantive clapback when shit like this happens, mm-hmm. you know what I'm saying? But it's still frustrating to, like, you know, I've been quiet because I'm sitting here thinking, like, I don't really know what the catalyst is for significant change like this because significant change on these fronts, like on mm-hmm. the colorism front, like on like in talking about Leslie Jones and her and, and there's some colorism aspects to like you could talk about mm. how Leslie Jones's humor, you mm. know, in addition to her appearance, mm. how they contribute to the fact that she was selected to to play, you know, what is seemingly the sassy black woman or mm. the buffoon type character okay. in this particular movie. Um, but the overall conversation there could be, you know, if we're if we are thinking more about the people who are in like in front and behind the camera, maybe those things have changed. But in terms of the overall narrative, like in in our community, how we evolve thinking about colorism and mm-hmm. things like that. Honestly, it's, it is kind of depressing because I don't really, I don't know, I don't really see it. It's still so prevalent. I was listening to something today, like, like I like, I mean, you've talked, you said this before, and and I've said it too, but like, yo, I'm so tired of the word foreign. Like, I am so tired of the word foreign Yeah. in rap music. Like, that shit is so fucking frustrating. And it's, it's, it's frustrating not only because of what it says about black women, but to not realize that when you say that, you are also saying something about yourself. Hell yes. Like, that shit is just really, I don't know, I'm really kind of blown. Like, I don't know, you know what I'm saying? Like, I I, I don't know. I obviously think a lot about the conversations I'm going to have to have with, with Eve at some yeah. point. And I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. That's, I mean, you know, maybe maybe Carla is more equipped to have that conversation, obviously, because she's, you know, yeah. she's lived as a black woman. But you should, you should learn, though. I mean, yeah, no, I mean, I'm going to have it. It's not necessarily, I mean, you know who I am. It's not that I'm not prepared to have the conversation. It's that I often like to feel empowered with solutions. You know who I am. You know (laughs) what I'm saying? Uh, And I understand the context of how to talk about race and preparing her for how to deal with her race being a factor Mm -hmm. on the whole. But to break it down, you know, even more. Yeah. To talk about how her being a dark-skinned child uh-huh. is going to affect her life is like that's one of the ones I just don't know how to talk about the the not necessarily solutions because solutions is a weird word because yeah. like let's be real it's not going to get solved. No. <laughs> uh, but you, you understand what I'm saying? Like no, I, don't I mean know I wouldn't the I wouldn't. tools to prepare her to yeah. But <sighs> yeah, I mean we always end on these really depressing notes, I know. but to. To come back to it, you know, in the case of these two movies, you know, I think obviously that the through line is like we need to we need to 
like we need to be more involved. And I think we're continuing to demand that we are more involved. And yeah. I think measures are slowly happening that will help. Yeah. Well, the fact that even a, a black, a, like every time a backlash gets re- like a, gets reported on. Yeah. That helps. Yeah. Um, I think those things will slowly change over time. But it's frustrating when people take these conversations and in both scenarios, they try to make them not about the thing that we are talking about. It's almost like gaslighting. Yeah, like you're just ignoring is, that the is fucking thing that we are talking about um, in terms of the critique is really, really, really fucking frustrating. Yeah. In the case of Ghostbusters, I still want to see it because I think... I still want to see it too. Because, I, again, going back to Leslie Jones and her talent, she is very, very talented. Mm-hmm. And I think that there is probably some opportunity for her to still subvert some of the common tropes like that would be associated with how they've portrayed her character so far. Um, Well, I think the same way that like Melissa McCarthy's characters have always managed to transcend what like the initial. Yeah. I, I like, I'm curious to see the film to see what happened. Like if if, like, if Leslie Jones character is given the same breathing room to kind of subvert. Yeah. But in the case of Nina, like I've never seen that shit. Yeah. I can't do it because I mean, Nina's story is one that is, deeply deeply rooted in pain mm-hmm. so to like to go into a story where you know it's gonna feel painful mm-hmm. and then on top of that they are inflicting pain by disregarding the nature of the very thing that they're discussing mm-hmm. like i i can't i can't get over that because especially because of the fact that we have this visual reminder of their ignorance and disregard even. I can't imagine my eyes adjusting to that visage, honestly. Yeah, yeah. So, like, I'm not going to see that one. Not even the shit on it. Like, No, I just don't. I, like, it's just not. I ne- Like, no. Mm-mm. Yeah. No, I just don't have to. I don't have to. Yeah, that's it. Yeah, I don't have to. Mm-mm. It's not like Red Tails. <laughs> Do you know what I'm saying? Red Tails just wasn't that yeah. popping. Yeah. Do you know what I'm saying? Yeah. You know, what I'm, you know what I'm saying? It just wasn't that popping. So I was like, all right, I can skip Ray Tails. Like, Django, I can see how, like, I mean, Django was its own I can of worms. I know. P- yeah. I will say even among black people, black people have different feelings about Django. I've never seen it. I probably never will. Yeah. But, like, I know that you've seen it and that you kind of like it. And I respect your judgment and opinion. And there are other people whose yeah. opinions and judgment I respect who, like, like Django and who've seen it. Other people who I know, they haven't. Uh, I mean, or they saw it, they didn't like it, or they haven't seen it at all. But like Nina, to me, is just like I don't. What's the point? Like I can level. even see Django as like a conversation piece, like yeah, something in totally. it. Totally, so crazy is happening that like you need to fucking just like I just don't see the point. In... And even with even with Django, like speaking to that further, like there is value in the conversation around dissecting that particular yeah. movie. Like yeah. there are, I mean, definite issues with it for sure. Yeah. Um, in a major way. But there is value in unpacking that and all the pieces of it. Yeah. But with this, like all we need to dis- all we need to dissect is the trailer. Yeah. Yeah. And we which we did. It's just begrudgingly. Yeah. Um colorism is real. If you forget it Fuck you. <laughs> or if you forget it, you can still be Beyonce and somebody will remind you. Oh, um, like, like. Wasn't that some fucked up shit? Yo, Kelly, man. Kelly is a fine woman. I know. Gorgeous woman. I know. Anyway, to try to turn this back. Yeah. <laughs> uh, toward a more positive note. We do appreciate you listening. To we our do. Show we know we appreciate even more. 
his rates and reviews on yes, iTunes. On iTunes. Go to iTunes, rate and review us, share our show. Yeah. Tell your friends about it. And then tell us what you think. Yeah. Uh please continue to send us emails. Yeah. We do read them and we are always considering and I honestly we really appreciate when people come and pitch stuff to us too. Yeah, it gives us uh, something to talk about. Yeah. Um so thank you for listening. Continue to rock with us and we will be back very soon. Okay. Peace. Bye. love a classic chocolate chip cookie. Famous Amos has been making them since the 70s, 1975 to be exact. With semi-sweet chocolate chips and a satisfying crunch, it's everything classic in one bite-sized cookie. And fans couldn't get enough. That's right. You'll find our original recipe, the one you know and love, in every bag of Famous Amos original chocolate chip cookies. Find Famous Amos anywhere you buy your favorite snacks.